What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Giants Nation podcast. I'm your host, Justin Roman. And guys, first of all, I hope everyone is having a wonderful uh, Friday afternoon. Um, guys, we are literally days away from the start of NFL of the NFL preseason. Uh, if you guys forget, um, um, you could go uh, go online and uh, just. You literally, all, all you have to do is go on Google and just uh, search up NFL. Um, just type down the National Football League and the schedule will be, uh, the schedule will be right there. Um, but in case you guys don't want to do that, um, the first NFL preseason game will be, it's going to happen August 3rd in Canton, Ohio. Um, um, in the Hall of Fame game, we're going to have the New York Jets facing the Cleveland Browns, you know, so that should be very exciting. You could watch the game on, you could watch the game on NFL Network, you know, or on Spectrum, you know, well, Spectrum does have NFL Network, so you could go on there, um, so yeah, but guys, um, since I got out the, since I got that out the way, NFL training camp has been crazy, you know, um, 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 I believe, I don't, th- I don't, I don't, oh yeah, uh, today's, uh, today's day three of NFL training camp, um, and yeah, training camp has been crazy, um, you know, it's fun, you know, it, I'm just happy, you know, it doesn't, like, doesn't it feel good to see, uh, to, doesn't, like, doesn't it feel good to have football back, you get to see a lot of, you get to see a lot of, you get to see your team back on the field, you know, um, so yeah, um, we're, we're gonna see a lot of, a lot of, we're gonna see a lot of talent going into the season, you know, so that should be very exciting, um, but guys, um, I decided to come on here today, today, um, because a lot of you guys wanted me to talk about the Giants offense line, you know, and it looks like a lot of you guys wanted me to talk about how many good offensive linemen is enough for the Giants, you know, um, and this question is not surprising because this position has been the offensive line has been it's been like a roller coaster for the Giants. You know, the Giants offensive line has been up and down. It's been going in, it's been going in circles. You know, the offensive line, the Giants offensive line had I'm not going to say I'm not going to say, okay, I'm going to be honest. The Giants offensive line wasn't as, you know, it was, it was bad. You know, we really didn't have a lot of good, we really didn't have a good offensive line. The best offensive line we had was in 2016. You know, that was the best offensive line we had. You know, ever since, ever since 2016 ended, everything became like, I don't know, a dream. It became like a reality. Like it never existed. But the, obviously the Giants are trying to fix the offensive line again. You know, you you got two you got two you got two bookend tackles. You drafted John Michael Schmitz who who should be a really good uh center in the long run. Obviously, the guard position is up for grabs, so we're going to see how that plays out, but 
I'm very confident about this offensive line. I think if this Giants team, if this offensive line can stay healthy, I think the I think this this Giants offense could do some damage. Um, and I think last season's playoff uh, team might give us a clue. Here's why. Um, let me beat you. Let me beat all of you. Let me beat all you readers to the punch. I know you can never have enough good offensive linemen. So all of them, okay. Now that you've gotten that out your system, let's return to reality. Good offensive linemen are scarce resource at the NFL level. Every fan wishes that their team was rock solid all along the line, but very few teams are. You know, there are more misses along the offensive line in the draft than most of than most of us would like to admit. Furthermore, the NFL is a salary cap league. Even if you couldn't, even if you could put together a set of five great offensive linemen on one team, they would soon price themselves out, and several of them would have to go have to go elsewhere to get a big second payday. So the question is, how good? It, I'm, that's why you guys came up with the question. Came up with the question: How good is good enough to succeed? Well, let's we gotta look at the weak link theory of offensive lines there have been several studies that have popular that have popularized the notion that football is a weak link game you know the performance of any unit on the field either it be the offensive line the defensive backfield etc is only as good as the performance of its weakest member you know you know intuitively this makes sense how I feel like the question we should be asking ourselves is this. How often like how often do we hear of offensive play callers staying away from a team's uh, shutdown cornerback and attacking one of the other defensive backs that they feel can be beaten more easily? You know, a study in Pro Football Focus several years ago demonstrated how much difference it makes to both rushes and passes to have perfect blocking on any given play. You know, what I'm trying to say is this. The difference is stark and almost as surprising is how seldom all five offensive linemen do their job on running plays. To put more of a face on this, um, Arjun uh, Menon, who now works for the Jets, plotted the yards per carry on perfectly uh, blocked uh, versus non-perfectly blocked plays for individual running backs after week five of last season. You know, I mean, look at <clears throat> no one averaged even five yards per carry when the blocking wasn't perfect. Some were hardly any better when the blocking was perfect, but a couple averaged more than 12 yards per carry when the blocking was perfect, including Saquon Barkley. Surprisingly, the difference wasn't as stark on passing plays, but there is still a clear difference between perfectly and non-perfectly blocked plays. Note also also the surprising result that pass plays are much more often perfectly blocked than not. The opposite of rushing blitz. You know, um, a blocking failure on the pass play leading to a sack or quarterback hit is much more obvious than a miss on a run block that leads to a back only gaining two yards. But the latter is apparently much more common. I mean, consider a group of... Consider a group of players that have that each have a probability of succeeding on each individual play assuming independence 
an assumption which has different levels of, you know, um, val- uh, uh, validity, you know, uh, validity, um, depending on the situation, the likelihood that the entire unit succeeds. The system doesn't fail, you know, the system is the product of all the possibilities, probabilities, assuming that there is a fixed sum of all of the probabilities in the group, an assumption that is reasonable given the constraints of the salary cap. The probability that the system doesn't fail is maximized when all of the individual probabilities are the exact same. If you're going to ask me, what can we learn from the Giants last year? Uh, well, not just the Giants, but from every playoff team last year. Here's the one thing I here's the one thing I feel like we all uh, what well, we all can learn. You know, so I made a I made a chart. You know, you know I made a chart of um of of uh, team blocking grades. You know. And you know what's so crazy? Look at you. You want you want to know what's so crazy? Teams above and you know teams teams above and to the left of the chart were better at run blocking than pass blocking. And you want to know the teams that were that were better than others? The Titans, the Dolphins, the Vikings, the uh, the Falcons. You know the Chiefs. Those were the teams that were better than any other team, you know, at, uh, at run blocking and pass blocking. And the teams below and to the right of the chart uh, were better at pass blocking than run blocking. The teams I put, the teams I had were the Chargers, the Bills, the Bengals, the Giants, the Cowboys, um, the Browns, the 49ers, the Eagles, the Ravens, the Packers, the Buccaneers, the Jaguars, the Commanders, all of those teams were good at pass blocking than run blocking. What I'm trying to say is this. There are many more, there are many more teams in the, in the latter category than the former. Supporting the stats you know, presented earlier that perfectly, I would say uh, that perfectly um, blocked running plays are rarer than perfectly uh, blocked passing plays. There could also be a league selection effect in that the dominance of passing in today's NFL may cause teams to value and retain good pass blockers. You know, you know. Um, I mean, look, there, there. I mean, there are only four good. Te- there are only four teams who were strikingly better at run at run blocking than pass blocking last season. It's no surprise to see the Falcons and the Titans in this group, you know, because um, those those two teams, you know, the uh, those two were the most run orientated teams in the NFL. It's a shock though to see pass happy Miami and Minnesota with them in that group. That might suggest, you know, an equation of the form, you know, pass heavy offense. Plus better, uh, plus better run, pass heavy, pass heavy offenses, you know, plus a better running game, minus them pass blocking offensive linemen equals first round playoff exits. You know, by contrast, there were a large number of lousy run blocking, but good or very good pass blocking teams. The biggest uh, discrepancies belong to the Chargers. The Jaguars, the Buccaneers, and the Packers. 
coincidentally, these teams had among the most prolific, but not overly mobile quarterbacks in the league. Now let's talk about the best blocking teams in the NFL. In 2022, I believe there were only, what, four teams that graded above average. You know, above average, it's a 70 plus in both run and pass blocking as a team. Two of them were the Eagles and the Chiefs, who, by the way, played in the Super Bowl. So there's your argument that you need a great offensive line to win a championship in the NFL. However, the third was the Baltimore Ravens, who obviously went out quietly in the first round of the playoffs. And the fourth, the Atlanta Falcons, who didn't make the playoffs. Apparently, a quarterback has something to say about team success. Also, remember that Lamar Jackson was hurt late in the season and missed the playoff game? You know? So, and also, I also want to mention the Eagles were in a class by themselves last year. All five starters on the Philadelphia Eagles graded above average in pass blocking. And only two of the player, only two of the offensive linemen on the Eagles were even as bad as average in run blocking. Four of the five starters totaled two sacks among them all. You know, Lane Johnson has not given up a sack since 2020. Still, they had something of a weak link in tackle Jordan Mulata, who surrendered six sacks and 38 total pressures. The Ravens were almost as good. You know, they had three elite pass blockers and two elite run blockers. They weren't perfect. Though rookie center Tyler Linderbaum was poor in pass blocking, and now the part of Ben Powers uh, was an adequate run blocker. You know, the Falcons had their own weak link in Drew Dalman, who was subpar on pass uh, on passing downs, although he didn't give up he didn't give up many he didn't give up any sacks. As a team, the Falcons gave up surprisingly few pressures, but this was most likely the product of their run first offense. The Kansas City Chiefs, I think it's very easy to say, the Chiefs had one of the most unusual offensive lines in the NFL last year. They had two arguably elite players in Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey. But one was better run, but one was better at run blocking, and the other was better at pass blocking. Other than that, the Chiefs had mostly average play on the offense on their offensive line, but with lots of pressure surrendered. Overall, the, the Chiefs graded as one of the best offensive lines, but had lots of pressures. Uh, ha, uh, no, not lots of pressures. Had considerable flaws. Now, if you're going to ask me, Justin, would this offensive line have graded as highly if they didn't have a future Hall of Fame quarterback behind them? One with great escapability among all his other elite traits. I mean, if you're going to ask me that, I mean, it's a tough question, you know, because I think, it, you know, because like I said before, and I, I say this for all, I say this for every team that drafts a quarterback. I feel like a quarterback succeeds under... Under, I think the quarterback, I feel like the quarterback can succeed on how the offensive coordinator calls the play. You know, I don't really think it, I don't, like, do, if you're, does the offensive line have, does the offensive line, does the, like, the, like if you're going to ask me, does the offensive line has a, does the offensive line have, has a big responsibility? Yeah. But, okay, I kind of see it now. Maybe the maybe the offensive line does have something to do with the offensive play call. I'm just talking about the overall creativity of the play call. You know, like 
what does the court can does the does the, can the quarterback talent wise match what the offensive coordinator is looking for? That's what I'm trying to say. You know, so I kind I think it kind of depends on which quarterback and which offensive coordinator you bring in. You know, and you know, so you know that's what that's what I would say. You know, I'm pretty sure some people would have a different answer to that to the the same question. You know. Another thing I want to talk about is a better comparison. None of the four teams that I discussed, you know, uh, before, you know, exp- you know, like none of the four teams that I discussed, you know, in my other chart, you know, is an especially good model for the Giants. You know, the Giants are never going to have an offensive line. Like the Giants are never going to have an offensive line. Uh, the quality of Philadelphia's, and probably no other team will, will either. Both look at the Ravens. May be, I think the only team that may be a better comparison. Um, I would say the Baltimore Ravens. You know, Baltimore may be a better comparison, but they didn't get a chance to show how far they could go in the absence of Lamar Jackson. Uh, the Falcons was too one-sided and didn't get them to the playoffs. And the Chiefs played in front of what appears to be, you know, an all-time great quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. But let's try let's try a different comparison. Let's compare uh, the Giants and the Jaguars. The Giants and the Jaguars were two pretty evenly matched and similar teams last year in many respects. They played a game that came down to the final play and one yard. They both made a surprise playoff appearance and each won a playoff game, you know, before being eliminated by their conference Super Bowl participants. Both have young quarterbacks just now coming into their own. Both last year had a committee of receivers to throw to with no clear elite receiver in either group. Though Jacksonville's, I'll say, even though I say that, I think, I would say this, I think the Jaguars, the Jaguars receiving core was somewhat more established, you know, the other thing, the the other thing that both of these teams had in common was mediocre offensive lines, the Giants as a whole were close to average quality, barely in both run and pass blocking, the Jaguars were much better pass blockers, but much worse run blockers. You know, so the two teams gave up. The Giants and the Jaguars gave up a similar number of sacks and pressures. I think the big difference between uh, the Giants and the Jaguars was that Jacksonville had no elite offensive line, but no, but the Jaguars didn't have any disasters. You know, at least in the passing game. Luke Fortner was slightly below average in pass blocking, while the other four were above average or average. You know, they were also surprisingly well-matched in run blocking. All of them were poor. You know, the Giants, on the other hand, had one elite tackle in Andrew Thomas, one, you know, one uh, poor, obviously the Giants got a poor one in Evan Neal, who I expect to uh, take a huge leap into his second year, and three average to blow average players. Both teams lost in the, both teams lost in the divisional round, but the Jaguars put up a great fight against the Chiefs while the Giants were smoked by the Eagles and, una- and uh, unable to do anything on on offense. Trevor Lawrence was pressured on only 29.5% of his dropbacks in the, in the Kansas City game. 
uh, Daniel Jones was pressured on 45.7% of his in the Philly game. That's the, the, you know, that's the difference the Giants need to narrow if they are, you know, if they are going to take the next step. You know, um, remembering the weak link, like remembering the weak link theory view, the Giants offense, the Giants offensive fortunes last season were more, obviously likely to be sabotaged by the weak link. Most off, most often Evan Neal, but not exclusively. Then they were helped by, you know, you know, by the probably one of the best time I said yesterday, even even when he I said this even when he got drafted. I said I, I said Andrew Thomas Andrew Thomas, he's gonna be he's gonna be the future he's gonna be one of the best tackles in the NFL, you know, because he was a top you know, um <clears throat> he was he was one he was one of the best tackles, you know, um he was a top he was a top three, top four tackle in his own draft class. You know, if you you know, um, and Andrew Thomas, he's definitely living up to his, uh, he's definitely living up to his draft status. You know, um, <clears throat> you know, and, uh, but another thing I want to say is this, the Giants objective for this season, then does not have, you know, it doesn't have to be that Evan Neal becomes a pro bowl level tackle. That would be, you know, it would be nice. Absolutely. But it's not necessary. It's not necessary. If Evan Neal becomes just an average or somewhat better than average NFL tackle, that will be enough, you know. Then if the Giants can get average to above average play from rookie John Michael Schmitz, uh, Mark Lewinsky, Ben Bridison, or whoever gets most of the snaps at left guard, just play at any average level, then may you know maybe sufficient to the maybe uh, sufficient to take the Giants' offense a long way. The, look at the Giants shouldn't ask too much of uh, John Michael Schmidt, you know, as a rookie. I mean, look at Tyler Lundem. Look at Tyler. Uh, Tyler Lunder. Uh, I can't say his. I can't say his last name. Tyler Linderbaum. Tyler Linderbaum's 53.5 pass blocking grade um, was like a reality check. You know, just just look, just look at his pass blocking grade. You know. Just that he, just like seeing that he, you know, just that him being like an average and pass protection and a plus and run blocking. In 2022, he had an 81.0 Pro Football Focus grade, you know, uh, for pass pass blocking, but he also had a 92.4 run blocking grade. You know, according to the 2020, uh, according to a Pro Football Focus NFL Draft Guide for uh, 2023. Another thing I want to say that comes down to great offensive line play is, uh, you know, it's affecting, you know, it's the effects on quarterback play. You know, let's compare the performances of Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence as a function of their offensive lines play. So look at no quarter. Look at obviously no quarterbacks want to be pressured. Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence did. You know, actually, you want to hear a fun fact? Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence, both of these quarterbacks, actually did a better job with a clean uh, pocket than under pressure. You know, they did a better job with a clean pocket than than under pressure. You know, um, <clears throat> there are there are there were several major differences between Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence last year. 
though, and there was one similarity, you know, Daniel Jones was pressured a lot more often than Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones was pressured 42% of dropbacks when pressured, Daniel Jones was pressured 42% whenever he dropped back to throw the ball, Trevor Lawrence was pressured only 29% when he uh, was going to drop back and throw the ball. Trevor Lawrence complete, uh, completely fell apart under pressure. You know, um, Trevor Lawrence, he, uh, he, uh, Pro Football Focus gave him a 91.2 uh, pa- uh, passing grade. And his passer rating, uh, when kept clean, was a 104.7. You know, um, um, pro, uh, versus his, uh, versus his uh, 29.5 pro, fo- uh, pro Football Focus grade. Uh, for passing, you know, and his 53.7 NFL passer rating when pressured, you know, um, when he only threw 25 touchdowns with five interceptions when kept clean and five touchdowns and eight interceptions when pressured. So that was when Trevor Lawrence was, that's when Trevor Lawrence was a rookie, you know, and, you know, and obviously Trevor Lawrence, he's grown and obviously with the, uh, with the addition of, with, uh, with, uh, Doug Peterson, Seeing what Doug Peterson did, giving him a good offensive line, you know, um, I thought, you know, look what it did. It gave Trevor, it gave, get out. What? No, I don't have any paper. So, so yeah, um, sorry guys, I got, I got a locked store. Sorry. That, sorry for the. Sorry for the disturbance. I got to put a lock on my door. But like I was saying, um, Daniel Jones, uh, back to what I was saying about Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, we all saw we all saw what happened with Trevor Lawrence, how he's grew, how he grew into a better quarterback, you know, um, and <sighs> obviously, we're going to see what happens going into next season. Not to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones wasn't affected nearly as much by pressure. You know, Daniel Jones, uh, he had a, a pro, he had a Pro Football Focus grade of a, of a, what 82.6 in the passing game, and had a uh, he also got graded for, he also got a grade of a 99.1 as his passer rating when kept clean. You know, um, obviously last year Daniel Jones he had a he uh, he had a he got a 48.7 uh, passing grade and his passer rating wasn't as bad. You know he uh, he only his passer rating uh, was a 78.8 when pressured. You know obviously he threw 11 touchdowns and for, he threw when uh, when kept when the pocket and also when the offensive line's clean when Daniel Jones has time to throw the ball he. he he threw 11 touchdowns. He can, th- you know, when, and this is when the offensive line was doing their part. He got 11 touchdowns and only four interceptions. When under pressure, he is not as bad either. You know, I mean, he only threw six touchdowns and two interceptions. So, neither quarterback was affected all that much by blitzes. You know, under pressure, Daniel Jones took an average of uh, 3.63 seconds to throw. Um, while Trevor Lawrence got the ball. Out an average in 3.21 seconds. Either Daniel Jones was less decisive or just didn't have anyone open as often as Trevor Lawrence. Uh, it was difficult to say. Two, look, at 2022 was no fluke. Even though everyone wants to say it was, it wasn't a fluke. You know, 2022 was no fluke either. 
Daniel Jones has shown similar splits for clean versus pressured situations throughout the Giants' career. And look, he may be bland, but he is a cool customer. So much so that he was able to, you know, to do almost as much with worse pass blocking in front of him than Trevor Lawrence was able to do. Daniel Jones has yet, obviously, he has yet to show that he can be that he can be really elite when kept clean. You know, that 82.6 grade, while very good, pales next to Trevor Lawrence's 91.2. And where that ceiling is will be one big thing to watch for in 2023 with what is expected to be an upgraded set of receivers. Now, if you're going to ask me, Justin, how does Daniel Jones do under pressure compared in the rest to the rest of the league? Well, here's all I'll say about that. Look at no one, look at no one makes, you know how people say no one makes lemonade out of lemons. Like no, like no one makes lemonade out of lemons better than Josh Allen and next best as is Mahomes. But right there with him is Daniel Jones. Look at still Daniel Jones, like other quarterbacks, they do better when not pressured. If the Giants can just get their offensive line to the point that they have one elite and four adequate to above average starters. Daniel Jones, you know, Daniel Jones begins to see clean pockets as often as Trevor Lawrence and many other quarterbacks did last year. You know, I mean, look at look at the numbers for every quarterback that has a clean pocket. Tom Brady, 80, uh, Tom Brady's thrown 80 point, uh, uh, 80% of his passes. Aaron Rodgers, 73% of his passes. Joe Burrow, 72% of his passes. Jalen Hurts, 70% of his passes. Dak Prescott, 68, uh, 68% of his passes. Lamar Jackson, 65% of his passes. Patrick Mahomes, 65, uh, 65% of his passes. Josh Allen, 64% of his passes. Justin Herbert, 64% of his passes. That's when Joe Shane will know that the offensive line is good enough. You know, so that's all I got to say about that. You know, so, so if you're going to ask me how many good offensive linemen is enough, I think it is enough. I think it is enough for the Giants. You know, I just feel like, I just, I feel like, like I said before, I just feel like it depends on how good the offensive line play is. I just feel like it depends on how how I think it, it's going to depend on Daniel Jones' play. You know, the more time, the more you know, because we see it now in today's game. We see how offensive linemen they give their quarterbacks much time, but sometimes offensive line, you know, offensive linemen they you know they they can only do so much to keep their opposing uh, to keep the opposing opponent uh away from the uh from the quarterback <clears throat> that's why some quarterbacks um that's why some quarterbacks do a lot that's why like quarter so, that's why you see some quarterbacks fling that football because they know that hey my guy can't my offensive linemen they can't hold these guys down forever because you know that's when officials start seeing penalties happening, you know, or something illegal happening, so they're going to throw that uh, yellow flag, so it's, I think, it, I like I said before, I think it's going to depend on how Mike Kafka and Daniel Jones, 
um, work together. And I think it's going to work fine, you know, because Mike Kafka, you know, he did a great job last year as the offensive coordinator, you know, um, and we all know if Daniel Jones can't find anyone open, we all know what he's capable of doing with his legs, you know, um, and Daniel Jones, he's, he's much, he's much more, and a lot of people say it, Daniel Jones, he's much more of a scrambler than the passer, you know, I don't see that, I, you know, I believe Daniel Jones does have the ability to throw the ball, you know, because he's not Lamar Jackson, you know, and I'm not, try, I'm not trying to say that, I'm not trying to disrespect Daniel Jones, you know, but he's not Lamar Jackson, because Lamar, when you watch Lamar's game, Lamar, Lamar usually doesn't throw the ball. He's usually of a scrambler. That's why a lot of people call Lamar Jackson a running back instead of a quarterback because that's all he do is run. You know, but I'm trying to say you don't want to risk your quarterback to run the ball all the time because you want to make sure that you don't want him to get hurt. You know, you want to make sure that he's protected. You know, so I, Daniel Jones, he can throw the ball. You know, he just needed – all he needed was good – players to throw to he needed good targets to throw to and that's something he was never given and now he does you know so I'm I think you know and that's why I kept on saying Daniel Jones has to he has to improve on the passing game you know so and I think he will you know so we'll see what happens I'm excited um yeah that's all I gotta say about that um I hope you guys enjoyed (laughs) hope you guys enjoyed what I had to say about this topic um yeah we'll find we'll see what happens um, but so far, that's all I have for you. Uh, that, so far, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Let me know how you guys feel about my. Uh, let me know how you guys feel about my whole thought on this huge topic. And I'll get right back at you guys. But that's all I have for you guys today. Um, I will keep you guys updated for more news about the New York Giants and more lists if I have any, so stay tuned uh, for both of those things, or if there's any questions or any more topics you guys want me to talk about, you guys know what to do, just go down in the Q&A section, Q&A section and let me know, but until then guys, I'm out, peace.